Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, welcome to the show. Uh, what are we learning today already? Well, uh, we'll have the big teams, um, uh, big threes for the weekend. Uh, we'll have their wins of the week. Yours too, please, if you don't mind. Also, flamingos form friendship groups based on their personalities. Studies suggest birds of the same feather group are together, but within their flock, flamingos form smaller cliques of like-minded individuals. A new study suggests... <laughs> But they've used the word cliques. <laughs> like yeah. there's a it's hierarchy, clique. some kind of playground Flamingo politics mean going girls. on. Yeah, you're not coming to my party. So, so a school gate, they have a school gate thing, don't they? Yeah. What are they called? There's a school gate politic thing going on. Is that a thing? Is there a, oh, they're definitely a phrase? Always, is there a not a phrase for that? I can't think what the phrase is. Oh, what's it called? I can't remember. Uh, well, previous research showed that flamingos form friendship groups. The findings of this latest study published in the journal Scientific Reports on Wednesday indicate that these friendships are partly decided by individuals' intrinsic traits. Well, well there you are. Uh, Gibson guitar used by Chip Berry at Wembley could fetch £20,000 at auction. Who buys this guitar? Who buys the guitars? Because there's lots of guitars up for sale, aren't there? For various things. What's the what's the most expensive guitar ever sold at auction? Is it an Eric Clapton guitar? Do you think? Is it a Beatles guitar? Do you think it's a George Harrison guitar? The guitar 1964 Gibson Firebird Five. What? I mean, come on now. Let's Gibson. You know, let's Gibson. Thank, yes, my surname before marriage, Gibson. Really? Sadly, no well relation done. to the guitar. But anyway, it's <laughs> uh, expensive. Fetch up twenty thousand pounds at auction in Wiltshire. There you go. Uh, so from uh, Chuck Berry, Land to Wiltshire, riding high in the charts with his hit My Dingling. We've never played My Dingling, have we? It's a good song. Once our swimming across Turtle Creek, a man named Snappers all around my feet. Sure was hot. Can't believe you just talked to him. I thought you'd finished. What? I thought you'd finished. What, why? I hoped. Why, why was hoped. It? Okay. Okay. <laughs> why did you think I would finish? Because I was still singing. Was wishful thinking is what it was. Oh, oh, happy Friday, Vassos. By the way, it's a really good song with an amazing punchline. It's a funny song. Okay, sorry, I thought it was Chuck Berry. It is Chuck Berry. Okay, okay, sorry, start again. No, no, actually. No, I won't start again. Don't don't get drawn into it, Chris. I'm going to get that bloke bloke from Toy Kido, who I sat next to last night, who's got his own toy company. I'm going to get loads of toys off him and a massive pram, and I'm going to throw them all out. I thought you were going to say you weren't going to share. <laughs> my dingling, my dingling, a card you playing with my. And so, so the boys sing my. No, the girls sing mine. The boys sing dingling at this concert. It's a live song, and it was on seven-inch vinyl, and it was the first song my mum ever bought me. I don't know why she think I want, she thought I wanted it. I bought Rubber Ducky with my pocket money. She bought me Chuck Berry's My Dingling. I think it was on Arista. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. See, and it was a mum moment. I was yeah. gonna, I was gonna tear. I was gonna. Well, oh. <laughs> Did Phil, Fulham lose last night or something? <laughs> um, Edward Munch paintings. That was hidden from an artist in a barn sells at auction for nearly seventeen million pounds. Now that is that a lot? I don't think that's a lot for a Munch painting. A, mo- a monk? Do you say monk or Munch? I would say Munch. Munch. They scare me. The Munch paintings. Well, they cause the scream, and yeah. it, there's a weird person screaming. They're supposed to scare you. I, but why would you want that in your kitchen? 
You don't if put, you had 17 million I don't think people quid. that buy them put them in their kitchen, Vassos. Every student puts one in their bedroom. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. it's cool, isn't it? That and a sort of yeah, it doesn't scare me at all. That and a vintage <laughs> copy of the Face magazine, yeah. usually with Pete Doherty on them, on the front page. What do you mean put it in a kitchen? But You're what? married to an art dealer. She says, oh, what? <laughs> Caroline, why are you married to this man? She, she asks herself that every morning. <laughs> by, the way, by the way, Caroline, he had a bit of a grumble about you today off the air. Little bit of a grumble. Happy to put it on the air now that he interrupted me singing my dingley. <laughs> Wasn't going to go there, but now I am. He's fired me up. He fired the first shot. And what's coming to him, everything that's coming to him now between 9 and 10, he deserves. And if people tune in like in a half an hour, they go, why are you horrible to me? Because he was horrible to me. He sang over my rendition of my dingling in the first 15 minutes of the show. Once I was swimming across Turtle Creek. Man, them snappers all around my feet. Go on, interrupt. I really want to. <laughs> sure was hard swimming across that thing um, with both hands holding my ding-a-ling-a-ling. And his ding-a-ling-a-ling was a bell. Yeah. That was the whole point. Obviously. It was part of his percussive backline because yeah. he's Chuck Berry and he had a ding-a-ling. And that's what it was all about. We should play it. Great, it's great. People would love it. They would love it. Anyway, um, yeah. So, oh, you thought I'd forgotten? Yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> what to do, what I, thought, to do. I thought if I let him finish singing, he'll move yeah, on. Yes, the ego bus will have moved on. <laughs> well, he's wrong. It's done a handbrake turn. So he says, he says, oh, Chris, you know, I got home last night, you know, and Caroline's got, she has these hay fever tablets and they last for 20 hours, but obviously that means that they don't last for four of those 24 hours. And it just happened to be the four hours that from when I arrived home last night from the auction and I had to get some sleep to get up for the show today. Oh, grumble, grumble, grumble. Where's the smallest violin in the world? Where do we keep it? It's so small we can't find it anymore. Let's get it out. No, I a bigger one for this because this is my four hour sleep window and it was like, You've never had hay fever. It is completely debilitating. Achoo! It can ruin your Don't life. Put that injection. I keep telling her to go and have the injection. She doesn't want it. Oh. Did you want, have a chat? She does want it. She just doesn't want it to be your idea. Yes, that's exactly right. Because she is aware that you never come up with a good idea in your life. And why should that be the first? She's mm. so suspicious of it. Of course she is. <laughs> Caroline, you need a kind of log injection. I know the man, Dr. J. Absolutely. EU could win a lot of £140 million tonight. Your mini jackpot has soared to an estimated £114 million, even oh, though it was one last week, wasn't it? So it was one last week, but this is a bonus thing they do every March-ish, and they just stick 100 because it's always... When it's one, it goes back to seven, doesn't it, on the Tuesday? And it went back to seven this Tuesday because 90-odd or whatever it was was one last uh, Friday. And people are thinking, oh, it's going to be a few weeks before it, it sort of rolls up again, compounds up again. But um, so today, today we would have been expecting a £40 million uh, Euro Millions jackpot tonight. It's £114 because they just stick £100 million on now and again. Nice. That's us tickets. Yeah. I would be buying a ticket. Benchmark. If you're only just tuning in the show, lots of people are tuning in the show um, now, it would seem, uh, uh, every day for the first time. We met people last night. We met a man on the tube. <laughs> we met a man on the train last night. He's only just started listening this week. And he was very uh, struck by his situation at sitting opposite you. Yeah, if you... Um, if you've never tuned in before, Vassas only buys one ticket for the Euro Millions if it's over 100 million. So today you'll be buying that ticket. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I, and I feel it is. It's tonight. only meant to be if it's over 100 million because you wouldn't want if seven. Your name's you? on the ticket. <laughs> Or the bullet. Uh, but uh, let's go with ticket. So so we, we were sitting on the train last night and we were gifted this um, bottle of champagne for our troubles. Not that it was any trouble at all. And I really, you know, I said, we did this thing last week, didn't we? Where the Gary Barlow concert. And I knew they were going to get me something to say thanks for coming and hosting the thing. I said, please, please, please 
don't get me something and and you know you these you, you could one could be forgiven thinking that's quite presumptuous but it's not because that's what happens you know and it's a charity and every penny counts you know and they might get you a bunch of flowers or they might get you a bottle of wine or kind of stuff so please please don't get me anything and i could tell from the lady's expression in charge they already had <laughs> and she went, oh no we we no, we, we haven't I thought you have you have Anyway, hopefully they gave it to somebody more deserving or they get the receipt and they gave it back. But last night we, we, we were given a bottle of champagne, yeah. weren't we? And so we're on the train and this bloke gets on and I think, I think, I think, I think you maybe already had something, a little cold drink, not, not a load. No. And he, he looked at me, he looked at Rach and then he couldn't help looking at that bottle of champagne. I said, I said, do you want this? He said, what? I said, do you want this bottle of champagne? He said, I, I would love it, to be honest. He said, you're a lot nicer than people think, aren't you? That's not what he said. <laughs> he, he said, I've always told you're a nice bloke. It's nice to have it proved right. <laughs> it was much funny the way I said it. All <laughs> uh, right. Uh, live on Britain's friendliest street. Then this coronation contest is just for you. A coronation campaign has been launched to find the UK's friendliest street with the winners given a community garden of two and a half grand. This is lovely. Now, you know, if you can extend the olive branch of friendship and um, uh, and bonhomie and community to neighbours that you may not know yet. You know, I'm very fortunate. I do know my neighbours. It's the first time it's happened for ages um, since we moved to Marla. I know my neighbours. We get on really well. We look out for each other. It's fantastic. Um, but if you can do that, uh, then I think you should because you'll only benefit... You can only benefit from it. There's this news, it was in the papers this week, but it, I've known it for ages. You know, people who are married live longer. They just do. Even if, do you know what? Sometimes, even if they're unhappily married, um, because companionship is just good for the soul. Uh, it helps you. Uh, you've got someone to talk to. It relieves anxiety and stress. And that's why people who go to church also uh, they have been found to live longer. Not necessarily because their belief in any kind of divine, d- divine being, or in fact, Davina McCall, uh, who's not divine, which is divine and real and proven because we see her on TV. <laughs> but um, but because they're with other people, uh, because they go to get they get together, or you know, um, for Evensong or or you know on Sundays generally, or for other church events, garden parties in the summer, and. Because that sense of community binds them together. They do live longer. This is very, very good for you. Now, Mira Street is basically leading the charge on this because Mira Street is responsible for... What's the initiative, Mira, again? Potato Monday. Monday. And what happens on Potato Monday is that everybody takes their potatoes to one person's house and that one person cooks all the potatoes. So Mira Street only uses one oven. I've no idea how big their ovens are. They must be mighty huge, I would imagine. No, they're not. But it's a lovely thing and everybody gets together as well. And it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. It's a funny thing. It's funny and it's good. It's useful and it's funny and it's good. Um, and the BBC were so interested in this. They, they sent a film crew last Monday to, to oh, Mirror wow. Street. And this Monday, ITV have booked to come. ITV when is News. Mirror's Monday? And tomorrow... Tomorrow, there's an article in the Times about Mira Street and about Potato Monday. Hurrah! When is it next Mira's responsibility? I don't know. Have you done it yet, Mira? No. You should, you should do your mum's samosas Monday. Your mum's samosas Monday. Just as a little side, I side would, dish. I would rent a house in your street on Airbnb just for that day. Are there any Airbnbs in your street? Is that yours? Great. Mates rates? Excellent. Uh, <laughs> Eurovision 2023 tickets will go on sale on Tuesday, March 7th. It's Ooh. going to be held in Liverpool. Our very own Graham is going to be hosting it, along with seven other hosts, because it's a big thing. It takes a lot of hosts. It's like nine shows or something. And also, you know, from a production point of view, it's absolutely fantastic. I would like to see Strictly 
enjoy a bit of Eurovision's sort of um, size kind of uh, production. Strictly is amazing anyway. It's brilliant. But imagine if they had, a, you know, because they do arena shows, don't they, Strictly anyway? You know, wouldn't it, they should film one of those or Netflix it up. Or, they, they don't need to. I've been to one of them. Alex got us ticket, got me tickets one year for Christmas. We went to, I think it was at the Oto, and it was just amazing because you kind of think, how can they recreate, you know, that sort of more intimate studio audience that they have on the telly? But as part of the like massive tour show, it was just brilliant. Is this the Oto that Alex is returning to on Sunday to wrestle? Yes. <laughs> Alex Horn, Rachel's husband, is wrestling at the O2 on Sunday. Actually wrestling. He thinks for fun to raise money for charity. He may have to be the beneficiary of one of those charities if it doesn't go too well. He's got a good name, though. He's got a great name. Um, yeah. And you, you found out what it was just saying. You shared it with us. Yes. And we, we tried to guess it. We couldn't guess it, but a listener did guess it. Amazingly. Okay. Uh, Granted North Ants, managed to bag myself a date last weekend and it went so well. I have a second date tomorrow. Any tips? Grant, yeah, I've got a massive tip. I've got a massive tip. Be yourself, okay? Because if you're not yourself and you're, you know, this is not be the best version of yourself, is it, as long as it is a version of who you actually are. Because if you are not yourself and you end up together you know, more permanently than temporarily, that is a mighty knotted ball of string to untangle, isn't it? You don't want to go back on that one. Uh, I'd say be yourself, don't you? Don't you Absolutely. And also, the other thing I'd say is, what do you want? Have a think about that today. What do you want from the relationship? What kind of relationship do you want? Is it companionship? You know, is it long-term, potentially? You know, uh, what is, is it serious? Is it, what is it? What, what do you want from that, I suppose? But um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have no idea. The, the bottom line is I have no idea other than be yourself. I've got no idea what it's oh, about. That's the best advice. Nice. What's going on Do now? you remember your first date with Tash? Um, well, I remember the first time we met. Uh, I remember the first time we saw each other. Then I remember the first the, the first time we met after that. And then we I suppose we had a date. Well, I suppose we, when I saw after that, it sort of turned into a date that night. But the first time we arranged to meet each other was the time after that. Was the second time, was it a sort of stealth date on your part? Like pretend it's just like, oh, we'll just meet for a thing and then you think, no, but like, but if there's the half a chance, I'll turn this into a date. That was my. That was always my tactic. Well, clearly it was. That was massive. <laughs> that was just projection. I, I might as well have not been here. How, how did it... It's like being on your. It's like you're doing your your, your talking tour. It's like sorry, Rachel. How did it turn into a sort of? Because you said like the second time, and yes. then it sort of became a date. How did well, that happen? Because we were at a golf tour. No, the, the first time we met, we were at a golf course, and Ronan Keating and I were making a film a promotional film with Jodie Kidd for the All-Star Cup and Tash was playing golf there because she used to work in golf. And so she was playing and Ronan knew her and he said, hang on a minute, and she was teeing off on the, the, the par three next to the clubhouse at Stoke Park, the James Bond course, you know, the yeah. Goldfinger course. And she was teeing off and he said, I just want to go and say hello to my friend Tash. And she, I mean, she looks amazing anyway, but you know, when she swings a golf club, she, she's, I mean, it's a thing of beauty, to be honest, even more than usual. And I'm like, I've never seen anybody like that on a golf course before. I've never seen one within five miles of a golf course before. <laughs> and uh, so I said, who's that? And she said, is my friend Tash. And that, that, literally, that was that. And then when we went to go and play the All-Star Cup, Tash was playing in the All-Star Cup. She was, one of, she was playing uh, on the Prime Day. And so I met her again there. And then we had a drink there. Uh, and then we got on quite well. It was, a bit, it was a right laugh. And then 
um, I was out two weeks later, three weeks later with my friends Gareth and Webbo, and we were in a bar, and we were with some other women, and she was next to me, but I didn't know. We were back to back. Wow. At the Soho Hotel. And she tapped me on the show and said, hello. And she said, are you with them? I said, yeah. She said, you're not anymore. Oh. And that, that was literally that. And then uh, we arranged to meet in a pub and that was... I mean, literally, we've been together ever since. That turned into a date quite quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is sort of what I said, I suppose. Yeah, yes. But that was that. How did you meet Alex? We were at university together. Okay, so I know that bit, but how did you... So I remember you... seeing him in Freshers' Week yeah. um, in, across the bar. Uh-huh. But then we were just friends for two years. Uh-huh. And then um, he started leaving notes on my... Um, like where we were studying in the library. He started leaving notes on my revision. And then he invited me for dinner at his flat where he made me smiley faces and fish <laughs> See, fingers. that is so cool, isn't it? And then our so first Alex, sort of date, date, he took me... yourself. He took me to... Uh, the, we met on the steps of the All Saints Chapel next to the BBC and then he took me to the comedy store to watch a comedy gig and he kicked over all of our pints and Did it was, he? Was, that, was that like a dare or no was it a, wa- a wacky accidental. goofy kind of thing to do <laughs> no, or okay alright and Vassos um, when did you first meet me <laughs> alright um, that, that was a golf course as well uh, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was up in Scotland wasn't it yeah. uh, yes Yes, you you Carl are Lusty. you are a roving reporter. Yes, I By the way, was. nobody roves like Vassos. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, since the week, here we go. We haven't, by the way, just so you know, we didn't have time for any of that conversation. Sorry. I'm glad we had it. Uh, Dave and Lynn in Jersey, our since the week, we're celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary. Woo! That's very nice, isn't it? Uh, Katie in Sheffield, my since of the week, was completing the first week in my new job. I've loved every minute. Half a text, half a story. Mm. What's the job? Why do you love it? Yeah. Come on, how much are you getting paid? What's the holiday healthcare package like? Oz in Malta, how come in Malta? My cinch of the week. I had a couple of setbacks this week, personal and work-related, but I picked myself up. Went out for a double run and gave myself a positive pep talk. Excellent, well done, pal. And it all starts, doesn't it, with with the physical. And if you got if you got if your head's sending you mad, get into the body, get into the physical, and that will help you massively. In fact, you know you're halfway there. Then, Catherine Luton, my sense of the week was taking my two nieces to see Anne Juliet in London on Wednesday. We know that's good because Vassas has been. Mandy from Harlow. Hello, Chris Vass, Rachel, and the rest of the fabulous Cinchy team. My sense of the week was spending a cheeky couple of days at a lovely adults-only hotel on the edge of Sherwood Forest. I had a lovely full-body massage yesterday, followed by a sit in the steam room and a gentle swim. That's nice. Jane Sayers says, my sense of the week was that my son, Tom, has just got a place to do a master's in podcasting at NYU Graduate School of Arts. See, it's happening, isn't it? Wow. That's that's why podcasting is massive. That's why we have, from Wednesday this week, we have the Chris Evans Show available as a podcast. It's not this show. It's another show. And it's between 40 minutes and an hour and 20, depending on, you know, how it's rolling that day, how we're rolling that day, because that's what podcasts are like. And you can take us wherever you want, whenever you want, however you want from today. If if you're going for a run later on or you're just going for a little car drive, you can listen to Wednesday's podcast, uh, Thursday's uh, and Friday. And then there'll be, before we know it, there'll be thousands of them. Yeah. Um, Cinch of the week. My cinch of the week was getting good news from the hospital on my skin cancer following a short bout of chemo. I now just need a final check in three months' time. Says Abby in Cambridgeshire. Cambridgeshire and Abby, lovely. Uh, Mike in Altrincham. Please get to share my cinch of the week with my daughter Colette, who after three tries finally passed her driving test yesterday. She's delighted. So am I. No more dad's taxi. All right, we could go on. Uh, there's a lot of Rod Stewart news around, isn't it? I suppose. Um, 
because Rod was at this do last night that we were at for my black dog for the mental health charity, which is just awesome. And somebody bid some money for Rod just to get up and sing a bit. And they wouldn't they wouldn't have minded, you know, if he'd literally just sang one word. He, he sang a bit more. Well, at least he tried. I've got the words. <laughs> this is last night. I don't do. I mean, he looked fantastic. You know, when he just clicks into that that voice, that signature voice, is amazing. All right, um, people think I've forgotten. I haven't forgotten. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the O2 for Wrestle Comic Relief Mania. You know him as Taskmaster's Alex Horn, but tonight, for one night only, he is... The Raging Horn! Which is great. I don't get it. Alex doesn't. Sorry, Vassos doesn't get it. See, I don't understand. Why do you I get it? I don't get it. Is. Why do you get it? Raging bull, raging horn, bull of a horn. What's wrong with you? What well, go on? <laughs> I don't understand you today. I, I should don't. I think you need to get some more sleep. I don't understand you today at all. Everybody gets it. I've just been explained it. <laughs> it's naughty. That's naughty. Well, it's whatever you want it to be, is what it is. He's, he's, he's particularly <laughs> ridiculous today, isn't he? Not enough sleep. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. All right, we've got a very special guest here today. He tried to get here a couple of weeks ago. God bless him. He could make it because London generally is a nightmare from a transport point of view, but he's here now. He's the national treasure who's given us Shaun of the Dead, Mission Impossible, and once ran Fat Boy ran a marathon without reading 119 Days to Go. <laughs> he's here this morning to talk about his work with the Disasters Emergency Committee, so don't settle for a GIF or JPEG. We can gift you Simon Pegg. Not bad. It's all right. What an intro. I felt like I I think it was okay, better. wasn't it, Simon? It was fantastic. Yeah, so Simon and I were talking about uh, spectacles um, just before we came back on the air. And uh, one of the things in part of the glow-up process over the last 10 years is I did have laser eye surgery, and it did really work very well for 10 years. But they said you would eventually have to go back to specs again. And we've just had a spectacles conversation, haven't we? I've considered the laser eye surgery, but so many people I've spoken to that have had it said they can smell their eyes when it's getting done. Yeah, really but you, I mean, you, you wrote and produced and directed and starred in Shaun of the Dead. What, you, a bit of burning flesh, <laughs> the smell of a bit of burning flesh isn't going to bother That's you, is it? That's all corn syrup and food colouring. It's true, actually. Yeah. It is true. You can smell the burning. Yeah, but it's 13, it, it was 13 seconds for one eye and I think it was 16 seconds for the other and it's like... A miracle. That is amazing. It no, is, it is amazing. incredible. It is amazing. Um, straight to the pub afterwards to celebrate. Beautiful. Which I don't think is advisable, but it's what I did. <laughs> um, do as I say, not as I do. Can I just ask you quickly, over the weekend, um, a friend of mine said yesterday, I've got to watch Kingpin, Woody Harsden. I've never seen it. I remember hearing about it in 96. He said it's the funniest film 
ever made. The Ferrelli Brothers film. Yes. Yeah, it is funny. Yeah, I mean, it's got it's Bill Murray and it's uh, uh, Randy Quaid, I think, is in it. Right. Yeah, it's worth a watch. Absolutely. I don't know if it's the funniest film ever made. I was going to say because that it's worth a watch. That's not. He was saying you have to watch this film. You it's idiot. worth a watch. But it's not. I mean, that's always subjective, anyway. You know, yeah. what, what you find funny is not what other people do. But give it a look. Uh, Farley Brothers, um, amazing yeah. geniuses. Uh, he mentioned another film by the Farley Brothers. Obviously, they wrote loads, didn't they? Yeah. Um, Something about Mary. You said. He said that. He said, and I've seen that. Of course, I have. Yeah. He said, but he reminded me how funny it was. And maybe, okay, what should I do? Rewatch something about Mary, or originally watch Kingpin? I would originally watch Kingpin. I don't think it's quite as funny as something about Mary, but it's 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 got some great moments for sure. Yeah, and I love Woody Harston. Yeah, he's brilliant. Do you know him? I do. Yeah, he's he a, a sweet, dude? sweet guy. <laughs> yeah, he's such a dude. Is he? He's always just faintly away somewhere. He really. <laughs> but you're so because I know him a bit as well, and. Um, <laughs> Yes, that's that's the perfect description of him. However, then when he gets into a role, he's completely present. Oh yeah, he's. I mean, he's the best. Focused. How good is he? He's fantastic. He's such a great actor. Yeah, I love him, and he's just this a complete sweetheart in real life, just floating along. He really is. <laughs> he really is one of those people that seem ambitionless, and you think you can't get to where he's got without having a certain little sort of hungry, thirsty, yeah. wanting bent. But he seems to be the real deal. It doesn't quite make sense because he's so, so laid back. I know. Yeah, it's annoying, It's not it? fair. No. Did you watch the BAFTAs? I didn't. Okay, did you hear about the BAFTAs? I did. Okay. It seems that Europe, we, we have, we have um, planted our flag very firmly um, on the, 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 the side of All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. And America seems to have planted their flag with everything, everywhere, all at once. Both amazing films. Okay, if you had to pick one. That's a really hard... So, it's apples and oranges with those. I mean, I love Everything Everywhere. It's such an exuberant, yeah. fun film, but uh, All Quiet is just so important, awesome. And, yeah, and incredible to see a film about that side of the story as well. So It was an unfair question. I'm going to unask it. Because <laughs> if people ask me that question, it'd really annoy me, and i just... Sorry about that. No, no, it's a, it's a valid question because they're two very different kind of sort of cinematic expressions. But... Um, yeah, I'd find it really hard to choose, you know, because there's there's different reasons for both. Yeah, no, you're right. It is apples and oranges, but unfortunately they do have to compare and contrast them for, for the Academy Awards. Yeah, always. Soon. Have you heard about Charlie Maxey? Maybe almost a shoo-in to win an Oscar for Best Animated Film for The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse. That's amazing. Almost, literally almost a shoo-in to oh, win. Oh, that would be nice. Have you seen it? it? I've read the books. Yeah, the, fil the film is great. It's half it was on TV, wasn't it, on Christmas Day? Oh, is it? Right. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched All Quiet on the Western Front two Sundays ago. Um, I was devastated by it. I was blown away by yeah. it. I was devastated by it, as one should be. It is such a shocking film. And then my friend was staying with us because he wasn't so well on the Thursday afterwards. And he said, I really want to watch All Quiet on the Western Front because of what you've been saying about it on the radio. And I said, well, do you know what? I'll watch it again with you. And do you know what? I was... I was ashamed that I'd forgotten how much it moved me in four days. Right, right, Do you know right, what I mean right. by that? Yeah, Because I yeah, promised yeah. myself on the Sunday, I thought, I'm never going to forget this ever because it's so mad and so crazy and so insane. And we, little do we learn, because it's a story that repeats itself. It's oh, cyclical. totally, yeah. And we'll get onto that in a minute because that's sort of why, yeah, you're, well, yeah. it is why you're on. Um, and, you know, four days hence, it, almost all of its meaning had escaped me. And I was really... Ashamed of myself. I think it probably st it was there in there. You know, I, I I doubt you sort of forgot it, but life goes on. You know, I know. and I think y y absolutely you wouldn't have 
it doesn't mean you don't care, Chris. No, what I'm it, no, I know, I know, but <laughs> but it really surprised me because that's never happened to me before. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like Schindler's List and films like that, and you know, Il Postino and some of the greatest movies. That so, yeah. they're so important, aren't they? So maybe we're just a bit desensitized to it all, you know? Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's let's talk about uh, the Disasters Emergency Committee and Ukraine because it it put me in mind of Ukraine, totally a frontier war. You and know? also the fact that you know it is the the masses that suffer for the ambitions of of single, usually men, with kind of territorial desires. You know that it's still happening now, and the people in the middle of it all on both sides are usually just sort of blindly running into these things. You say usually men. Come on. I mean, it's always. A, it's always men, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I don't think in the history of um, the human species has a woman declared war on another woman from a territorial or sovereign point of view. I don't think it's ever happened. Probably not. Oh! Um, so tell everybody about your film originally uh, to do with Ukraine uh, because it caught light, it went viral. Um, just just begin to tell us that story if you don't mind, Simon. Well, I, I'm an ambassador for Oxfam and Oxfam is one of the charities that works with the DEC along with 14 others. And I went over to Romania just to see how the money we raised here in the UK is being put to use. That was 400 million pounds, almost a million of which was from your auction as well, which is fantastic. I mean, I was bowled over by that information that the British public had raised 400 million pounds which made me very proud at a time when you know everyone's a bit worried that are we are we a little bit wary of strangers and there's there are things going on in our society which you know might suggest that but no we raised 400 million pounds for Ukrainian refugees and I went over and I just had a, a, a little tour of some of the projects over there and there's some fantastic stuff going on. So can I pause that? Because you've been yeah. there. So that for us, that sentence before you tell us the next bit is fascinating. Yeah. You went over there. Yeah, I went to Bucharest. So, so tell us about all that. Well, the thing is with um, refugees is often there's about 7.8 million, I think, that have left the Ukraine and uh, almost as, much, as many that have been displaced within the Ukraine. Most refugees will want to go to a neighboring country. They don't want to just go off anywhere and, you know, they want to stay close in case they can go back. And so Romania, Poland, Moldova, these places have all got initiatives uh, in them um, by the DC to kind of help house, assist refugees. Um, and um, I went to Bucharest and, and saw some fantastic projects. One was a kind of residential place carousel uh, uh, organizing which is about 40 refugees very vulnerable refugees families older people um, there was a, a woman there who was pregnant and her husband obviously still most of the people I met were female actually because a lot of the males are still in Ukraine um, but a, a lot of the efforts over there are about empowering people about helping them not making them feel like they're being given handouts or victims it's given them some agency over their situation um, I went to a great place um, called JRS where there were English classes and therapy sessions and workshops for teenagers and a place called the Happy Bubble, which was like three to 14 year olds learning Romanian because it's obviously difficult for young Ukrainian kids to get into Romanian schools because they don't speak the language. Um, and also just a place for them to learn and to continue their education. And it was all incredibly positive. The whole thing is underscored by a massive humanitarian tragedy, which is ongoing. But what I saw over there was incredibly uplifting. From the worst of humanity, you know, often emerges the best of humanity. Absolutely. You know, and it just goes to show that where there are these people that seem to sort of control our destinies sometimes, these single people with these ridiculous ambitions. 
and yet there are millions of people who are willing to you know help each other and reach across to different countries different nationalities so when you did come in last week it was a year the year anniversary wasn't it of yeah, the that's conflict right. yeah. um what do you what do you sense is the um is is the sort of near term perhaps um uh, a chance of redemption for for all involved where do you think we are? where do you think we are well you know putin is putin and he's got a lot of resources he's got a lot of global kind of influence and you know he's incredibly stubborn so I, I, i'm not sure it, it we're going to see an end to it that soon and so this is a this is a crisis that is ongoing and um it's not something that you know i think we're going to have to keep on giving and keep on helping um but this trip specifically was just to say look what we've achieved certainly you know with the dc and the money that we've raised here in the uk and well done and thank you because the generosity has been extraordinary it will have to keep going and i know people are you know it can get tiring and this is a difficult time for all of us because everyone's purse strings are very tight at the moment but um i feel like these projects are gonna have to be kept alive f for a while everyone there is very hopeful that it's going to end and they're going to be able to go home and go back but you know what Russia are doing now basically is kind of targeting the power grid and it's making things just making day-to-day -day life very difficult there just to live let alone shelter from you know ordinance yeah and then a few weeks back um, obviously the earthquakes in oh I know Turkey and Cyprus I was in Bucharest when that happened and the DC people I was with you know immediately jumped into action about that it's an incredible organization let's talk about that actually let's play a little tune can yeah. we we'll, we'll play a song and um then we'll get back to the DEC as a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know all about it. Don't yeah, you? yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Thank you. Simon Pegg's with us this morning. Full disclosure here. This is a very heavy gig, a uh, very heavy subject for a Friday for any day, but it's very important to talk about uh, the DEC. Um, I always like the fact it looks a bit like December because December's the month of giving. Do you know what I mean? I see <laughs> yeah. it. I think it's a bit like December, the DEC. Yeah. The Disasters Emergency Committee, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Like a, almost like a real-life international rescue, like a real-life Thunderbirds in a way, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. They work with 15 charities, um, one of which is Oxfam that I'm an ambassador for, but also, oh, my God, I'm, I, uh, Plan UK and Save the Children and lots of great organisations, and they... Um, um, work with the DEC to distribute funds in times of need, such as Ukraine, such as uh, the Syria-Turkey earthquake. They always jump into action. They do, and, um, you know, it's 30, 40, 50 million quid in three days for the earthquake um, it's amazing. disaster. Unbelievable. How did it come about, the DEC? Do you know the history of... of I'm not sure, no. I'm not sure how it all sort it's of It's been a while. Be. It's been... Yeah, it has been around 60s for a while. or something like that? Yeah. It's amazing to me that in these times, it's the people that solve the problems it, you know a lot of the problems the planet faces are down to individual people you know people leaders and fuel barons and all this kind of stuff and then when it all goes wrong it's the people that sort it out it's the yeah. dc organizing donations from just regular people who are always incredibly generous and thoughtful i mean we as a species can be so wonderful as a group and so horrible as individuals. <laughs> yeah, we're mostly wonderful. We're mostly wonderful. Because if we weren't, we'd be killing each other every day, yeah, every moment I think of it. We and we're just the not. Power to be. I can't tell you how, when I sat down with Oxfam and the DC to talk about the Ukrainian refugees in Romania, and they said the UK's raised four hundred million pounds, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, what? I know. <laughs> That's so much money. Because I think people know. I think people know. 
when they are reco- they are needed. Yeah. Their help is needed. Yeah. You know, we do things on this show and they when it's real, you know, and we, we always think that it is real, but when it connects with people um, and you sort of get a sense for that, you know, a, a radar for that over the years, whatever you're doing, whatever job it is you're doing, you know, and other people have come to us with fundraising ideas. And by the way, I'm completely well-intentioned. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's just not going to work. Yeah. You know, it's a lovely idea, but it's just not going to work. It's going to cost more to put on than you're going to make, or the risk is there, or yeah, this is a lovely thing. But actually, if you've got a fiver and you want to do the most good in the world anyway, you buy five mosquito nets. Everybody knows that. Right, you know, sure. it's, it's it's things like that. You yeah. know, um, and when uh, giving becomes emotion obviously you have to emote people to move them into action you know whether it's with uh their their expertise or with their energy or with their care or with their wallet whatever that may be uh, but you can get too emotional for the wrong reasons and it becomes unhelpful and yeah. the dec are very good at this because they're well skilled in it because they've been doing it for so long yeah you can make people feel uh you know guilty and tired quite quickly it's hard to be bombarded with bad news and when you're watching a a program and a commercial comes on and you see suffering you sometimes you do feel like oh no really yeah but i think the dc have have just got it you know pitch perfect in terms of of getting the message across without people feeling browbeaten or or sort of guilt tripped into it you know they just bring they bring out the best in people they really really do and the best is always there to be brought out absolutely in anyone, isn't it that's the thing absolutely so, so you've come here just to tell us this today just it's a lovely visit thank you because you pleasure. don't live around the corner i live a little way away i know <laughs> do you is there a call to arms or call to action what do you want us to do uh, I think, well, I mean, as I said, it was really just to say thanks. I mean, it's really important that everyone that donated knows that it went to a good place. You know, sometimes when we donate to charity, we don't know where that's going. And yeah. we're never quite sure. But this was really just to say cheers, you know, because everyone's done so well. And obviously it's an ongoing thing. And, and if, 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 if it sort of feels appropriate, you can give again. But, but it, what, that wasn't the point of this visit. It was just to say, well done, everyone, and thanks, you know. Wow, that's a lovely thing. Thank you very much, Simon, for your time. Um, Pleasure. We were just talking about stories, weren't we, off there? Can, you, yeah. can we have a little bit of that chat? Is that okay? Yeah, of course, okay. Yeah. So tell everybody Robert McKee is and why he's really important to the world of cinema and also to the world of Simon Pegg. Robert McKee <laughs> is one of the most renowned sort of screenwriter <laughs> technicians. Uh, he, he has one of the most famous books about screenwriting. And uh, we were talking about him... Um, because we were talking about the film adaptation, which yep. he kind of, you know, contributed to. but Which is brilliant. Which it? is absolutely it's brilliant. It's a great yeah. film. But when Edgar and I, Edgar Wright and I wrote Shaun of the Dead, we read Robert, <laughs> and I studied him at university as well, but just to see if the rules work, you know, because right. as, as a rebel, you yeah. kind of feel like, oh, I'm not going to do it by the rules. Yeah. His do. So he's a, he's a, he's a writer. He was a director. He directed loads of theatrical productions. He directed some TV as well. But then he decided, you know, and he, he uh, for a while, he had more money than God. It has to be said, as a writer, <laughs> which is a very difficult thing to do yeah, yeah. in Los Angeles. You know, in the 60s, he already had his house paid for in the hills with a pool. And he says this, you know, and he laughs about it. <laughs> so he's doing all right. And then he decided that he was really good at screenwriting. He was really good at directing. He was really good at producing. I don't know if he acted. I think he may even have acted. But he said the thing he was best at was teaching. So he he just focused on that and he became this super teacher, didn't he? Of people like William William Goldman, who wrote the screenplay for Butch. He wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. He was a student of Robert McKee. 
I mean, yeah. what the frick? It's amazing, isn't it? It's like they say that, that, that there's other old joke, those who can't do teach. That's clearly not true in the not case of Robert whatsoever. McKee. I mean, his kind of like, his his diagram for writing a screenplay is just so perfect and completely applies, particularly when you're writing a kind of a an adventure film or a genre film. If you get into kind of more art housey stuff, then yeah, you can veer off into more so sort David of David like, Lynch it up yeah, or down or, or Paul. Uh, um, um, wow, there goes my brain. There goes my senior brain. Uh, by the way, I knew exactly what you're talking about. And I can't remember his surname either. <laughs> Paul Anderson. Yeah, Paul Thomas Paul, Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. Who yeah. is more of a kind of, you know, he'll write a story which is more meandering. Yeah. But yeah, Robert McKee is the man. If you're going to write a screenplay, if you're a young budding screenwriter, read him. Yeah. I've never read the book. I've, I've seen him loads, been interviewed. I've listened to loads of podcasts with him. Like two hour conversations. He's fascinating, man. I bet, I bet he is. I bet he is. So I've got to ask you this. What did you learn from his books? His, the book's called Story. His book, he's written loads of books, actually, but his yeah. most famous book, which continues to tell now more than it, millions and millions and millions. Now, well, he doesn't need to work, uh, but he does work. It's called Story. What did you learn from him? Because there's a, this, my favorite new phrase, you yeah. know, I'm like, you know, <laughs> so, so fatty. Um, my favorite new phrase is Shuragai. Right. So Shuragai is a Japanese word and basically the sure means learn the rules yes um, the rai means you can now break them because you know them and yes. the guy means you can now make up your own because you know how to break them because you know them anyway yes. sure guy it's a great way of living generally you, you sure guide a bit that's <laughs> fabulous yeah it's true I mean you, you have to know the rules if you're going to break them so right. it's important to know like his basic idea story structure is is really precise. It's about you know you have your inciting incident, you have your midpoint, you have your pinch, and all these different moments in the screenplay. And generally, if you watch the great screenplays like Back to the Future, like Gremlins, I yeah. mean, st like big entertainment, yeah. they all abide by this rule. And there's a reason why they're so good. It's because they are so satisfyingly constructed. Yeah. But then, if you if you know those rules, you can start to play with the audience's expectations. So, how did you do that with Sean of the Dead? Well, I, with Sean, we kind of stuck to it. We knew we had to have. You're you still know, learning the rules. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, we didn't feel like we it ne we needed to break it in that regard because right. Sean of the Dead is very much a kind of, uh, you know, it's a little fable, and it needs to stick to that thing. You have the guy, and he's he's a certain way, and then he learns a lesson, and then he changes. You know, that's basically the kind of broad, broad strokes of it. But. Um, Sometimes, because the cinema-going audience are very clever and they kind of expect certain things to happen, you can play with that. So right. you, you know, like, and then you, they love you, and then they love you. That's for when it. they fall because in love you've, with you. You've, 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 you've challenged expectations. You yeah. Know? which can also be fun. That's when you're on the ghost train and they realise it's real people that are messing with your hair and there's real buckets of water being thrown. Oh, this is a proper ghost train, isn't it? Wow, that's so cool, man. And um, you enjoy watching uh, TV and movies over the weekend with your fam, I know that. You're currently re-watching Better Call Saul? I am, with my daughter, who's 13. Right. Which is so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Is she, 30, is she 14 this year or she's... She... 14 this year. So my son was 14 last week. Oh, really? And he's in... Ex... It gives me goosebumps. He's like... We watched, we watched, don't tell his mum, we, <laughs> we watched Beverly Hills Cop last week and he was like, this is the greatest film I've ever seen. I want to show that to Tilly because Mike from Better Call Saul is in it. Yeah. Jonathan yeah. Banks. By the way, he's like, he's like, what is this film? Do you remember the opening sequence of Beverly Hills Cop? When he's hanging off the back of the truck. No. 
Oh, really? Yeah, because that's what I thought. Yeah. That happens about five minutes in. No way. Before that, there's all this sort of, um, just this sort of scene setting of what that part of the world is like. And there's these hobos on the corner and there's, you know, you get that for three minutes with the soundtrack. Yeah. And you forget all that stuff. Yeah. And and then, and then, you know, um, then you, then he has the conversation with the hoods who are, he's trying to fence the cigarettes off to and all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Then the cops turn up and they don't know it's him and he's undercover and all this kind of That's five minutes in. And, and then he goes to jail, you know, and then he's right. and he's like, and, and now he's like, who is this guy? Because he doesn't know Eddie Murphy. He's never heard of Eddie Murphy. No, that's crazy, isn't it? And it's so... There are no jokes at all, yeah. but it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah How do you yeah, make yeah. a film hilarious with no jokes, Simon? You have an incredibly charismatic lead. You know, you can be you can be funny without telling jokes. And yeah. that's, all, that's always down to the kind of a lead like Eddie Murphy, who can just be funny in any situation. He was you know? good, wasn't he? Because that's what life is like. We don't tell jokes all the time in life, but we laugh a lot. Yeah. And it's because there's comedy in reality, you know. Apparently he's coming back, Eddie Murphy, isn't he? He's, he's, gonna... he's been doing, you know, he did um, that film recently about the black exploitation director and he did a thing with Jonah Hill recently on Netflix. Yeah. But has he ever been away? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. Apparently he's in Mission Impossible. <laughs> he's still fit. Oh, sorry, you did the thing with the button where you only you press it halfway through what you say. I thought Eddie Murphy's still filming Mission. Oh, Simon's still. Yeah, I know that. I know that. Uh, how, where are you with Mission Impossible at the moment? Uh, I'm about to go to the Arctic, which should be fun. Okay. Um, Re the real Arctic? Yeah, yeah. All to right. do some shooting out there. Uh, we're uh, number seven or Dead Reckoning Part One is coming out in July. Right. And then we are continuing to finish Dead Reckoning How Part 2. How great two. are these films nowadays? They have to be really good now, don't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, and the thing with these is that, uh, and the big sort of selling point for them is that everything, all the stunts that you see he, uh, are, are real. You know, they're actually done practically. There's yeah. no, there, there's VFX used in the movie for, like, like any movie these days, you know, just for kind of, uh, um, for, for seasoning. But, um Anything you see Tom Cruise doing, which is dangerous, he does it. And is he on your? Is he is he lying on the sofa at your house right now? Is he asleep on the sofa at your house? Right He's now? taking a nap. Yeah. Yeah, because he because he basically he lives around mine. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 easy. It's cheap <laughs> for him, isn't it? You know, he's a very simple guy. Simple needs. Uh, so it's great to see you, man. You too, buddy. Uh, you look very well. Thank you. Going to share any health, any well-being and health span tips with us what do you do i'm I, intermittent fasting at the moment which i'm enjoying i'm enjoying I kind of quit eating about 5 30 yep. and start again in the morning it yep. means i don't snack at night yeah yeah and i'm also blowing into this thing called a lumen <laughs> have you heard about this i think i have it's but like can a you... metabolism tracker no in that case no what does it, it what does it mean it looks like a little vape but it's not you blow into it in the morning and it, it decides what your metabolism is doing and then it gives you your macronutrients for the day so it's okay you need to eat 165 grams of carbs and it's it's really i love all that sciencey stuff i do as well um have you got a blood sugar monitor no but i did recently skin i did recently do a, a blood test with a company called thrivia which thrivia. sent me back a whole spectrum of what i've got very high testosterone apparently <laughs> That's, by the way by the way if you just start speaking then, my next question was going to be, what's your testosterone marker? Because all blokes care about, of a certain age, you know, you really need to look at this, because you might have this. Um, you know, you, the, this could be sort of percolating in your nether region. Don't care. Don't care. What's my testosterone, level, testosterone levels? Do I, need, yes! do, I, do I need to pump more iron? Dangerously high. Woohoo! Oh, my God. Don't bring that, don't bring that story here. No. We, we were tested on the air here.
we apparently we have unbelievably low testosterone. <laughs> don't we, Matt? <laughs> Matt, Matt Roberts, the fitness trainer, came in. He said, "I'll test your testosterone." Yeah. Between us, between us, we had about half of his. <laughs> yeah. By the way, and he couldn't wait to tell us. Yeah. Do you know what your mark is? Your no, but your SBGH, whatever it's called, could be high, which is your sex drive and everything. Because then there's such a thing as free testosterone. Now he's just trying to make us feel yeah. good. No, this listen, is even hey, worse. Whoa. Now he's rubbing it in. I'm not patronising you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look very well. Thank you, Simon. Thanks so much. Thanks, mate. Thanks so much nice to, to come here again. I have, after trying to come here a week ago, <laughs> um, uh, shout out to the Disasters Emergency Committee and anybody who has gifted uh, to those funds or just gifted generally. Do what you can, you know. And if you can't do it with a check or do it with um, an ounce of your energy because it's it's a great, you know, it's the most selfish, selfless thing you can do. You just feel better about it. Have a great weekend. Thank you, buddy. You Love too. to the family. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.